God, thank you for John. Thank you that he is your servant. God, thank you that you have laid something on his heart for us this morning. Bless him as he brings it, Lord. Help him, aid him, and may your word have power. Amen. So what Fiona was saying briefly earlier, that in October and November, we're considering how we can not just be physically fit, and I know I'm a fine specimen of that, but also how we can be spiritually fit. And we all can be fine specimens of being spiritually fit, can't we? The spiritual disciplines, or if you like, the spiritual necessities, or the spiritual guidelines are there to help us to become fruitful disciples of Jesus. The disciplines are there, even though it uses the word discipline, to help us to to live lightly and freely and easily. And not to be tied down by legalism. We've got to decide to do them though. We've got to decide that even though it might be a challenge, we've got to get on with it. We were saying last week in the introduction that if you're going to do a marathon, you do the work beforehand. You don't just turn up at the race. So we're in a spiritual marathon as well. And there's work that we all need to do through that. All the topics are in the book. Which is, this is my copy from 20 odd years ago, but I know that some of you have got copies as well. I think there's going to be a spare one from next week. If anyone hasn't got a copy and they want to have a, a physical copy, then see Barbara next week and she'll be able to make sure you've got a copy of your own if you need one. So last week we had an introduction and because we're doing it on Sundays and Monday evenings at House Group, last Monday we were thinking about the true value of Christian meditation. And so all the uh, talks are going to be uh, online, so you'll be able to think about them, and they're all in the book if you want to help with that. So, we're thinking about introduction last time, meditation last Monday, and today we're thinking about prayer. Like with most things in life, I consider myself a learner. I love soaking in knowledge. It can be about anything you like. I love just taking things in and thinking about it. But it's especially the things of God that I really want to sort of soak in and know about. And over the years, probably like you, I've read many books on prayer and many books on great prayers. You can see I've got my uh, Balmoral bag here and it's going to help me because I've got loads of books in here I want us to just briefly look at. And I bet some of these you've read yourself. Who remembers this one then? Joyce Huggett, Listening to God. Fantastic book in the 80s. I'm sure it was still available in the 90s and the noughties and all of that. But I read it in the 80s and it really helped me. Paul Yonggi Cho. Prayer, Key to Revival. Prayer Walking. Graham Kendrick and John Hopton. Twelve Sermons on Prayer by Charles Spurgeon. Seven Great Prayer Warriors, Colin Whitaker. Wow. I must have thumbed through that a lot. Even the spine's broken a bit. 
This is one we've been thinking about briefly uh, last year. The 24-7 prayer manual. Um, uh, last year, or was it earlier this year? I've forgotten. It's sort of earlier this year. We were doing a part of the prayer course by Pete Gregg, which is based on this book. And then Great Revivalists, that's all about prayer. Loads of people, 1700 to the present day. Think about books is, when you read about other people's prayer life, sometimes it really encourages you and say, yes, Lord, I want to be a prayer like that. But sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you think, getting up at five o'clock when the central eating is not on. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes reading books like that can discourage us rather than encourage us. Maybe today you feel like a discouraged prayer. And it might be that you're sort of thinking, okay, we're all learners, we all want to go for things, but I'm not very comfortable with praying. I've prayed in the past. It didn't work. We're going to talk about it. I want to encourage you this morning, wherever you are as a prayer, and we're all prayers, I want to encourage you. So don't switch off. Let God encourage you, hopefully. One thing Richard Foster says in his book is, real prayer is life-creating and life-changing. Like we say, maybe that's really true of your life. I know that some of you are dynamic prayers. And when I speak to you, you just talk about prayer really easily. It just comes off. You don't even mention it as a big deal. It's just like... You pray, and it's really an encouragement to talk to someone who's a great prayer. Because life, because prayer is life-creating and life-changing. Maybe when you've read things in the Bible which have really encouraged you, prayers being answered. I've, I've written down a few. Peter being led out of prison in Acts chapter 12. The Israelites escaping from Egypt in Exodus 12, 13 and 14. Jesus healing numerous people in the Gospels. Nehemiah and his team rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Isaac being born to Abraham and Sarah, Genesis 21. Saul meeting Jesus on the road to Damascus, Acts chapter 9. Now, of course, in the Bible, it doesn't say that that was an answer to prayer. But surely it must have been. Surely some disciples of Jesus must have been saying, Lord, this Saul chap is persecuting us a lot. Lord, will you do something about it? Will you change his heart? I haven't read in the Bible that it says that. I don't know if it's a good thing, but I do read in between the lines sometimes, don't you? I'm sure people would have been praying for him. Lord, will you do something in his life? Will you do something and change him? It's just like today. You might see people that you think it's impossible for God to touch them. What a load of nonsense. God can change anyone. God touched the ark, uh, the arch, that's the word I'm after, the arch persecutor of the church and turned him round. We've got so much of the New Testament because of Paul, because God did a work in someone who seemed to the men and women of the time to be difficult. Do you remember what Archbishop William Temple said? I know you do, because we talk about this a lot. When I pray, coincidences happen. And when I don't pray, they don't happen. 
So we're going to spend time thinking about the value of prayer today. We don't need to sort of think about it very much because it's obvious. But like I say, I'm hopefully going to encourage you. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, it says, God loves a cheerful giver. This is so brilliant. You know the Greek word. Here it is. Hilaron. Hilarious. We know the word, don't we? And it means spontaneous, non-reluctant giving, disposed towards something because already satisfied of its value. That talks about giving, but maybe we can think about giving in prayer. Are you spontaneous in your prayer? Is it easy? Do you enjoy it? Last night, Jill and I read this, a little extract from Joyce Meyer. She says, a a cheerful giver doesn't see giving as an obligation, but as an opportunity. I want to just rework some of those words. A cheerful prayer sees prayer as an opportunity and not as an obligation. Several times this morning, we're going to have a time to explore. I'm going to put a question up there that's just going to provoke you to prayer. And just for maybe 30 seconds, I'm just going to say, let's not pray out loud, but just in our hearts, Let's think about what the question might be. Sometimes it's a difficult question. Is praying sometimes hard because I have disappointments from the past and a lack of compassion in the present? What's my attitude to God? What's my attitude to prayer? What's my attitude to other people? So for 30 seconds, let's talk to God about it. And maybe if these questions need to be talked about a bit more, talk to God about it later as well. Here's a much easier question. Do you prefer prefer what you're familiar with to the unknown? Like food, clothing, hobbies and shops. Jill and I have a takeaway, perhaps every other month or so. It might be Chinese. There are other places available. This is just one. Or it might be Indian. Now, with Chinese and Indian food, when we have a takeaway, it's really easy. I know what I want. I don't need to look at the menu or, the, or anything. When we go out, if we're going out to whatever it is, I know what I want. Years ago, I decided what I wanted and I enjoyed it. Why should I change? I love it. It's great. So why do I need to eat something else when I go out or when we get a takeaway? Jill's a bit different. If we're having an Indian, she'll think, what did I have a few months ago 
and then sort of try and do something a bit different. But I love what I'm familiar with. Maybe in the winter, I've got really lovely uh, socks and shoes and slippers and lovely warm clothes to keep me warm. They're my go-to things when it's a cold day. I wonder if you're the same. If you've got clothes that you enjoy wearing, or do you just buy some new clothes and then strangely wear them straight away? Because I don't do that. I put them in the wardrobe and just keep wearing the old clothes because I'm familiar, I'm comfortable, I like it. Here's a more difficult question. Is it true of how you pray? Do you just pray in a familiar way because it's easy? Because you're used to it? Because it doesn't cause you any stress, any strain? Perhaps your prayer habits are good already and you don't even need to consider changing them, even slightly. But maybe you could. I became a Christian in 1983 and I was encouraged to pray right from the start. I went to a great church. But in May 1987, I was at Bible College and this chap who many of you would have heard of, George Verver, he came and he spoke to us. He started Operation Mobilisation in 1961 and he started talking about this book, Operation World. And he said, you can change the world. You can pray for different countries. I thought, really? It's like a, a light bulb went on in my head. I've never been told about that before. I've been a Christian about four years and no one would tell me pray for the nations. So I bought the book. This is the book I bought. Now, of course, there's been several editions since then. This is sort of from 1987. And maybe you've got it as well. Maybe you use it. It's brilliant. But the thing was, I was praying a certain way, and then this chap comes along and says, How about praying something a bit differently? And do you know what? I'm all the better for praying in a different way to how I used to pray. It's changed me, and that's a good thing. And that's why, on every issue of Onward, we have a, 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 a page on prayer. So last time, we were thinking about Latvia. That's the one we're sort of thinking about at the moment. Next time, it's going to be about Barbados. And all this is because of George Verva changing my life. Well, God through him, you know what I mean. But I think, and I want to encourage you as well, not just to pray about things that are close to you, that you're a part of, but things that you know nothing about. Things that you'll just have no influence over. Things that won't affect you in any way. But God can call you to pray about Barbados. We can get excited about praying, even about things that have nothing to do with us. That don't affect us, that won't change anything about our lives. The map and the flags we've had for over a year now, 18 months... And in a way, they're colourful and lovely and decorate the room. But that's only a secondary reason that they went there. The primary purpose is to encourage us to pray. So here's the thing. Have you ever thought, there's 126 flags. 
Have you ever thought about starting at A, because they're all in alphabetical order, because, sorry, that's the way I am. I go alphabetically. Have you ever thought about taking a flag a week and then praying through all of them? It'll take you just over two years. But so what? That's brilliant, because it's going to change us. It's going to make us think about Albania. You could find out about Albania. Maybe you know nothing about Albania. That's the first flag. Maybe you could think about uh, Argentina, the second flag. You could look through all the flags, one a, one a week, and just say, Lord, thank you for the people. I know nothing. So you could buy a book. You could look online. You could buy Operation World. You could do all sorts of things to invest your life in praying for people of these countries. There's some military regiments there as well. So you could pray for people in military regiments. And there's some international organisations like Olympics and European Union and all this sort of stuff. So you could look at it. If flags aren't your thing, why don't you come up to the map once a week and just think, Lord, will you guide me how I can pray this week? Not about myself, not about anyone I know, but about a, a town a city, a country, maybe God might say, pray for this little nation just down here. Maybe God will say, think about the ships on the Pacific Ocean, the big oil tankers or the small fishing boats. If we listen to God, he's going to direct us. Because even though it's wonderful to pray for things that are immediate to us, Sometimes we need to pray for things that have nothing to do with what we're living and doing. And sometimes God will really bless us and God will bless our nation without us even knowing. Isn't that fantastic? So have a look at the map once a week or look at a flag or just do something to encourage yourself to pray about things that are nothing to do with you. Years ago, when I got saved, 1983, I was encouraged to pray. And I prayed and I felt it was good. But George Verver came along and he increased my prayer palette. He enlarged it. He made it so I could think about other things that weren't just to do with me, my and I. Vanessa rang me up on Monday. No, Vanessa rang me up on Thursday. There we go. I might as well get the right day. I bet Vanessa has rung you up as well. I wasn't expecting her. I was really busy, because we're all really busy, aren't we? She was trying to sell me something. She rung you up this week as well. Perhaps not Vanessa, but one of her friends. <laughs> do you know what? A couple of years ago, what I'd do is just say, no, thank you very much, and put the phone down. I didn't even let her speak, or whoever it might be. But a couple of years ago, and I've said this before, God did something in my life. I thought... This is an opportunity to testify about what God is doing in my life. This is an opportunity to pray for a stranger. Again, someone I don't know. And so now, every time that someone rings me up as a cold caller, even if I'm busy, I'm going to say to them, I'm going to listen, because they always read from a script, don't they? So, hello, my name is so-and-so, da-da-da-da-da-da, I'm representing. And so when there's a gap in the script, because it's just after they've said who they are and where they're from, I say, oh, thank you very much. My name's John, and I represent God on earth. 
or something like that, or sometimes I don't say that because that will be a bit far-fetched. It's, but you know what I mean? Sometimes I say, well, always I say this, I will listen to you for a minute if you will listen to me for a minute first. I don't do it the other way around because they could cut me off. I did it to start with and they just cut me off. I thought, God, I'm, I've learnt about that. That's great. <laughs> so, so I say, I'm going to listen to you for a minute if you will listen to me for a minute. I say, oh, okay. And then I just tell them about what God has done in my life, how he's changed me. I was a teenager when I don't use things like saved and salvation because that's no good for people, is it? I'll keep it simple. But God's changed me. God's answered my prayer, blah, 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 for 40 seconds. And then say, so can I pray for you? And that's what I said to Vanessa this week. You can do this as well, by the way. It's not just me because I'm a reverend now. Not at all. It is because I'm a Christian. And I want people to know that Jesus wants to be their saviour. Don't you want to do that? We can take the opportunity then, can't we? If someone rings us up to say, Vanessa, can I pray for you? And so I did. She didn't. And, and then at the end, she said, and she was sincere. You can tell in someone's voice, can't you? Thank you very much. Now, that was a good conversation. Obviously, some people, when they ring me up and I say, can I pray for you? They either say no or whatever. And they're not great conversations, but still I've had a chance to say about God. It's an opportunity I feel God has given me and possibly you might feel the same as well. God wants to extend your prayer palette from something from just being me, my and I to involving different countries that you've never been to, involving people that annoy you because they've rung you up and they're annoying you because you're busy doing something else. But we can pray for them. We can do something. We don't have to benefit from our prayers. It's other people that can benefit from how we've prayed. It's that time again. Time to explore. Could you use a map, a flag, a book, a photo or a phone call, etc. to help you pray for something you know very little about at the moment? Could you ask God to guide you as you ask him to give you a broader way of praying for others? Perhaps by using an object. So okay, let's just talk to God just for 30 seconds, just in our own mind and see if he wants to say something. It's going to mean we have to do something. But let's talk to God now. We're the type of church where when we pray, we tend to use our own words, don't we? And that's brilliant. It's right from the heart. It's something that's very helpful. Perhaps sometimes you might want to use a prayer from the Bible. There's literally hundreds of prayers in the Bible, aren't there? Do you remember King Jehoshaphat? 2 Chronicles 20 verse 12. We do not know what to do. 
but her eyes are on you. Samuel, in the first book of Samuel, chapter 3, verse 10. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Isaiah, chapter 6, verse 8. Isaiah said, here am I. Send me. Four years ago or so, I put something on our website and we used it as a series of prayer where there's a prayer from every book of the Bible. And it's still on our website. So if you want to look at that, it will be on the discovery page. Sometimes I use prayers from the Bible to help me to pray. Sometimes I use other books to help me to pray. So here's the last three books. This is an old one. The ASB 1980. The Alternative Service Book from the Church of England. So I use prayers from that sometimes just to help me pray. Because people who have written prayers in this took hours and hours to formulate and to think and digest and consider what to say to God. Sometimes it's brilliant to use other people's prayers. These are two great books. And I use them a lot as well. Because these are kind of... As it says, Celtic daily prayer. So these are old prayers that people from centuries ago would be praying. And you sort of, these books are there because they help you to think about someone's life from centuries ago. They're wonderful. And help me to think, not about me, my and I, but about other people. And they give me words to say. Words I'd never think of. They're a great encouragement when I pray. So maybe, as you pray, use your own prayers, use your own words, but also use the words from other people as well. It's time to explore again. Could you use no words as you pray? Could you pray in tongues as you pray? Could you use the words of other people as you pray? I know that some of you are multilingual as well. So maybe do you pray in other known languages sometimes as you pray? I don't know. Maybe that's an encouragement to just think about. But let's explore that with God. Lord, help me move my words as I pray. Help me, Lord. As you come in through the entrance hall at the front, there's a big poster of 35 of us. Now, I know not everyone is on the photo that is here today, either because you weren't there that Sunday or you were there but didn't want to be in a photograph. And that's fine. But there's 35 people here. And maybe you've forgotten their names even, some of them, because they haven't come for a while and they're with Wyrom at the time. But that can be an encouragement to pray about other people other people 
and be systematic about it, thinking, yes, Lord, you don't want just me to, to pray every so often, but to really be really praying hard for other people that we do know and love. So we've heard a lot about prayer this morning, and I don't want you to just remember it, because I'm not going to give you a test next week and just sort of say, oh, what was the second, uh, what we called it, time to explore? What, what was I saying? The thing is, we want God to be saying, have a think about it. As you spend time with me, develop how you pray. Pray at home. Pray on your own. Pray with other people. Pray on your bike. Pray in your car. Pray in Asda. Pray in Sainsbury's. Wherever you go, we can pray. But there is a but in there. This lady, Emily Griffin, said this. There is a moment between intending to pray and actually praying that is as dark and silent as any moment in our lives. It is the split second between thinking about prayer and really praying. How easy it is, and yet, between us and the possibility of prayer, there seems to be a great gulf fixed, an abyss of our own making that separates us from God. We know we're encouraged to pray. Most books of the Bible talk about it, don't they? But it's the getting going that is important. Last week, the colonel in the video was talking about getting going. So as we start to pray, let's try and continue. Let's seek God who we should pray for. And if you like some of these ideas about the flag or the map or the different words or, or whatever it might be, then go for it. But the whole idea is not just to read the chapter in the book and then to think, yep, I've done that. What's the next chapter all about? It's for God to change our lives. What's our attitude as we pray? Do we love God and say, I need you, Lord? Or is it just a quick prayer? Lord, bless me today. Help me to encourage others. Jesus has given you an invitation. It's for all of us. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I'm a learner. I'm a learner about so many things. I'm definitely a learner about the things of God. So I'm going to pray now and then Fiona will come back and help us to do some praying. But I'm going to pray that the Lord would help us to get going with prayer. That we'd find exuberance in prayer. And that we'd be guided by God as we pray as well. 
So I'll do that in a moment. But the last page of my notes that will be online by tomorrow is just the list of some of the quotes that I found in that chapter that I thought, oh, I'd love to talk about that. But I know talking for three hours is no good because you can talk about prayer for three hours or four hours easily. So if you want to look at some of the quotes I thought were really worthy of thinking about, then have a look at that on the last page of the notes as well. But let's pray first. Lord, we're thanking you that you want us to be with you. You want us to communicate with you and you do communicate with us. Thank you for all the different types of prayer that we've prayed over our lives for all of us, Lord. Thank you for teaching us how to pray already. Lord, will you help us to be ready to learn about prayer again? Help us, Lord, to come before you with open hearts, to seek you, perhaps in the tried and tested ways we've met before, but also in new ways. Thank you, Lord, that there's always new things to discover. So, Lord, as we put our, pl- our hearts in the place of learning, Lord, we trust you and thank you for moving us on as your disciples and your friends. Amen.